Good morning, everyone. Um, this morning, we're going to be thinking about the conversion of Paul, and we're going to be reading from Acts 9. And throughout, the, throughout what I say today, I'm going to most likely refer to Paul as Saul, because that's how he's referred to in the passage that we're going to be reading, and that's his Hebrew name. So I may accidentally slip back into Paul, but I am still talking about the same person. But before we delve into the passage, we're going to watch a short video that will hopefully... You may wonder why have I just shown you a video of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Hopefully, as we go through, it might become a little bit clearer. So I wonder if some of us here, though, feel a bit like that butterfly, that since we've known Jesus, we've had a complete transformation and we've completely changed. But perhaps some of us here don't really feel like that butterfly, that we do know Jesus, but we haven't really noticed much of a change. And maybe there's some of us here that really want that kind of transformation. We feel a bit like that caterpillar and we want to be that butterfly. But we're not sure whether Jesus is the way to go about it. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus loves us where we are at, whether we are following him or not. And that his desire is for us to know the love that he offers and to choose to follow his way of living rather than our own. So we're going to read now from the book of Acts, and we're going to be reading from chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 1. We're not going to read the whole of the chapter, Um, and if you don't have your Bibles or your phones with an app on, the words will appear on the screen. So starting at verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, just as a a quick pause, when he refers to the way, what he's talking about is followers of Jesus. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, 
and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And this is a different Ananias to the one that Sarah mentioned the other week. The one that died. He hasn't come back. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me, so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. I'm just going to read now from verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now, there is a lot in that passage that I could speak about today, but we'd probably take quite a long time. So I felt there were two main things that stuck out to me, and there may have been other things that have stuck out to you as I've read it. Um, So I'd encourage you to spend more time in that passage, thinking about what has really stood out to you. But the first thing that stood out to me 
was that knowing Jesus changes us. And what I mean by that is some of us here will have met with Jesus and have noticed that there's been a change in our life, however big, however small. That may be a change in the way that we think, the way that we behave, the way that we do things. We would have noticed a change. And for those of you here, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we're really delighted that you're here and I just hope that you might get to know something more about who Jesus is today. And in this passage, we read about Saul, that when he met Jesus, he was completely transformed. He went from wanting to imprison followers of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. And actually, this passage about um, Saul's conversion is mentioned three times in the book of Acts. So the first time is when it happens, in chapter 9. The second time is in chapter 22. And what you can read there is Paul has been arrested because he's now proclaiming the name of Jesus. And he's speaking to the crowd, explaining why he no longer persecutes followers of Jesus. He's using his testimony, his transformation as his defense. And the third time we read about it is in Acts 26. And again, Saul is using his testimony as a defense of why he shouldn't be put to death. So this story is clearly very important and very significant in Saul's life. In that instant, it stopped him from being killed. And we also read that the Jews' reaction to Saul's transformation was one where they were baffled, astonished. They questioned whether it was the same person. They once supported Saul and his actions of persecuting followers of Jesus, But now, they wanted to kill him. And we know that Saul had a reputation as a persecutor of Jesus' followers. Ananias knew it. The Jews in Damascus knew it. The disciples knew it. They were afraid of him. And I imagine that many others were afraid of him too. Someone who was persecuting followers of Jesus now says they're following him too. How might we react to that? And as I was reading through this passage, I was thinking, do transformations like Saul's happen today? And I came up with the answer that yes, they do. And we heard a few years ago um, from a guy named Shane Taylor who came and spoke at Ebby. And he used to be one of the UK's most dangerous men. One of his prison spells, he had many, he went on an alpha course. Apparently it's because they had some biscuit that he really liked, so he went along. And whilst on the alpha course, he began to rethink life. And he met with the chaplain and he gave his life to Jesus. And he said that overnight, he completely changed. Where he would once love having a fight in prison with the prison officers, he would love to get wound up and beat people up. He no longer got wound up. And he said the officers would try and antagonize him and goad him into getting a reaction out of him. And he said he just didn't, he didn't feel like it. He just, there was nothing to give. And they noticed the difference. And they questioned Is this the same guy? 
Is this really Shane, who would once beat up everyone and who loved violence, who now actually doesn't even want to engage in a fight? That was a transformation through an encounter with Jesus. But transformations don't always happen overnight. They don't always happen in an instant. For some of us, we take time to let Jesus in and to decide to follow him. And for some of us, we do let him in right away and decide to follow him. Either way, it doesn't make the transformation any less important or any less significant. My own transformation with Jesus took time. There was an initial period where things changed, but behaviours took a lot longer to change. And it was when I was 20 years old where I was at uni in my final year. I wasn't following Jesus. And my life was one of destruction. It was unhealthily, physically, emotionally, mentally, and even though I didn't know it at the time, spiritually. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and just not recognising who was staring back at me. And I asked myself, who are you? And I remembered a time when I was younger, where I was brought up in a Christian home, and I'd given my life to Jesus at 14, and I'd felt a tangible difference. But I hadn't continued with that life. I'd decided actually to go my own way. And so here I was as a 20-year-old, not really sure what had happened and how I'd ended up where I was. And I knew something had to change. I wanted that change. And I figured, I may as well give God another go, because what could be worse? So I made a little deal with God, as you do, and I was like, all right, God, I'm going to go to church, and if you show up, I'll follow you. Long story short, first church I went to, I didn't really feel anything, but I decided to give God another go. And so I rocked up here, and I walked in through those doors, and I felt something different. There was something in the atmosphere that I liked. And I sat at the back by the door, ready to run, just in case things got a little bit weird and a little bit awkward. And I remember that as the worship started, I just began to cry. And I'm not really a crier, certainly not back then, definitely not in public. It was pretty horrific, but great at the same time. And I remember crying out these emotions of guilt and shame and anger and pain and anxiety. And instead, I started to cry in this joy and this freedom and peace. And a week later, I went back home to celebrate my 21st birthday. And my mum looked at me and she said, something's changed. And she said, my face looked different. And what it was is that I felt a lot more peace. And I knew around that time that as I left here, kind of the week before, that things were going to be okay. I didn't know how they were going to be okay. And I didn't know what okay looked like at the time. But I left a different person from the person that had walked in. And I know that's because I met Jesus that day. And he changed something in me. But my behaviours didn't all change straight away, like Saul's. I still was doing things that were destructive. And it took time for my heart to really change. And as Jesus came more into my heart and I started to follow him, then my behaviour started to change. But it took time. And it's still taking time. Things are still changing. 
And I'm sure that Saul had to relearn behaviours as well. He'd followed a certain way of living that wasn't just religion, it was cultural too. But his acceptance of Jesus was the start of this new way of living. At the beginning of this passage, we read that Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Like, this was serious stuff. It must have been terrifying being a follower of Jesus at that time. But then, maybe one week later, he's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. And he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Like the transformation of the caterpillar to a butterfly. Here's where the video comes back. We are fully transformed through Jesus when we shed our former selves and rebuild ourselves with Jesus. He sees us as beautiful. We are redeemed from the things that we have done. It's still part of who we now are in Jesus. It shapes who we are. But because of Jesus, we are free from it. Saul's transformation happened when he met Jesus. Not only did his heart and mind change, but so did his actions. Knowing Jesus changes us. It's quite intense, isn't it? So, the second thing that stood out to me, and something that made me chuckle a little bit, because I think I very much fall into this, is that our way isn't always God's way. Sorry about that. Sometimes we think we're doing something that's God's way, but then something might happen and we realise we weren't actually doing it God's way at all, but our own. Now Saul, he's a Pharisee. He knows Jewish law inside and out. He lives it. He breathes it. And he persecuted those who he believed were leading the Jews away from their religion. So what fueled this persecution? Because that was deep, that was raw for Saul. This is what he believed. He firmly believed that Jesus was leading the Jews astray. His identity was a Jew, one of God's chosen people. And Saul and the Jewish believers believed that when God rescued their Jewish ancestors from exile in Egypt, that this was their salvation. And you can read more about that in the Old Testament. Believed that God would send a deliverer to restore the nations, but they didn't expect it to be through Jesus. And Saul firmly believed that if the Jews were to follow Jesus, they'd be thrown back into exile, which is not a place they wanted to be. But as we read, Saul had been on his way to arrest followers of Jesus. He had his mission in sight. He knew what he was going to do. But then suddenly, he is stopped in his tracks from a light from heaven, and he falls to the ground. I mean, that must have been quite dramatic. The guy that you're leading with suddenly hits the deck. No explanation. But then Jesus speaks to him. And he questions Saul's motives for persecuting him. But Saul, in this moment, he doesn't recognise the voice of his Lord. So Jesus speaks again, and he gives him a command. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So Saul now has a choice. Does he follow Jesus' command and go into the city? Or does he carry on, even though he can't see? He's got his men to lead him. And I wondered whether Saul was maybe having a pros and cons moment. Pros and cons of following Jesus, pros and cons of doing what I want. I don't know. Anyone's like me, I sometimes do a pros and cons mental list to see which way to go. But maybe he didn't feel he had much choice anyway. I mean, he couldn't see. But he decided to trust the voice of Jesus. He decided to trust the voice of the person he was persecuting. We then read about Ananias. God asks him to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and pray for a man named Saul from Tarsus who is praying. Ananias knows about Saul. He knows that Saul is the persecutor of Jesus' followers. Ananias is a follower of Jesus. And we read that Ananias kind of says, Really? Lord, you do know who this person is, don't you? You do know that I could die if I go there. But God tells him to go. And Ananias goes. He shows immense courage and trust in God. I wonder whether we would have gone if we were Ananias. Now God gave both of them a choice. He always gives us a choice. And I imagine that when we choose to go against God and what he's asking, it must be really painful for him. Yet God still chooses to love us, even when we go our own way. Saul truly believed that his thoughts, words and actions were in line with the way God wanted him to live. But then he met Jesus. He realised that what he'd been doing wasn't what God wanted after all. He'd been following religion. But then he found relationship. And what I'd like us to do is just spend a minute or so just thinking about a couple of questions and just processing maybe what I've said so far. And I'd just like us to think about, is there anyone that we are persecuting with our words, thoughts and actions? And also I know that there's been a lot of terrible stuff that has been done in God's name in the past and that still happens today. Even though we may not want to acknowledge that or accept it. What can we do to own that, to apologise or actively ask Jesus to redeem this? Let's just spend a minute or so thinking about one of those questions.
Throughout Jesus' life, the people who encountered him, who weren't just the rich, but the poor also, there were men and women, the educated and the non-educated, the old and the young, those on the margins as well as those within society. Those who encountered him and chose to accept him were changed. They were healed, freed, accepted and loved. Jesus also had a choice and he chose to follow God's way. In Matthew 26, verse 39, he says, If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again so that we can have a loving relationship with God. And today Jesus is asking, will you follow me? So what might that look like? It might be that you're sat here today and you don't know Jesus. But actually you think you might be ready to let him in and say yes to following him today. As Christians, we're called to be little Jesuses. We're called to live like Jesus. And maybe you feel that the way you think isn't in line with the way that Jesus thinks. The way you love maybe isn't in line with the way that Jesus loves Maybe it's asking God to highlight if we're doing something in a way that isn't actually his way. And then seeking to change that. So what might happen if we did this? We may see ourselves transformed. We may go from being that caterpillar to be rebuilt in Jesus and becoming that butterfly. It may be that the relationship with those around us could change. It may be that the way that we do things becomes more like God's way. It may be easier. It may not be straight away, but in time, we hope it would be easier. And just before I pray, and that's just to close and for the band, uh, before we take communion, I wonder if any of us have been challenged by what I've said today. I know that for me, I was challenged yesterday on something to do with this, and I had to make a choice. I wonder if you've ever questioned or doubted the impossible transformations that we've heard about. Have you ever written off an individual or group of people who say they've encountered and accepted Jesus? And I just encourage us to use this time of worship, this time of communion to respond to that. And I'll be at the back and I'd love to pray for anyone who wants prayer about any of this stuff or anything else that is going on.